nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. Uh, no budget nightmares. Ooh. Budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Mo porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's, that's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And that other voice you hear every week, well, every other week, is the one <laughs> and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number one bow, super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Thank you, Mo. Thank you for assisting me just then. Uh, we should let everyone who's listening know that uh, this week, because we're uh, we're testing some new kind of sound recording uh, options, uh, I can't necessarily hear the sound clips being played. Yeah. So, uh, so Mo is going to be prompting me, uh, probably in a very awkward and <laughs> entirely noticeable way. <laughs> I'm uh, like Doug, that sound clip was great, uh, wasn't it? Hilarious! It was hilarious. <laughs> And uh, and because of, I thought it would probably be worthwhile to tell people that ahead of time, so I don't look like I've lost my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just start laughing frankly halfway through a sound clip. <laughs> now that I didn't used to do that before. Yes, Mo, we are back on No Budget Nightmares, and uh, I'm really excited about this week's or this bi week's wow. uh, feature because this is uh, one that's been highly requested. Yes. In fact, uh, when we had a poll a few months back, yeah, you said uh, poll. Yes, well, I was also going to say that uh, <laughs> when Michael Fitzgerald stuffed our respective ballot boxes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we ended up covering his film, one that was very close to winning was this week's subject, which is Truth or Dare: A Critical Madness. <laughs> Yes. What? All right. I'm sorry. Skip, scab, and scoop. Skip, bop, bop, bop. In 1986's Truth or Dare or Critical Madness, directed by Shot on, not Shot on Video, I shouldn't say that. What I mean is direct to video luminary Tim Ritter. This is one that it's kind of one of those biggies in. It is. Yeah, in the kind of movies that we cover on this show, this is kind of one of those big. Uh, the ones people point to all the time, your your blood cult, your, your sledgehammer. Your boarding house. Exactly. Yeah. This is right up there with that. Boom. Your five and, five five. Yeah. And I mean this this is gonna this episode's going to mean the first of a lot of things for us. This is our first Tim Ritter film. Yeah, uh, is, that's right. This is our first one. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's taken us too long, uh, considering he is uh, one of those presents. He's like a presence in the community even now, right. uh, and has recently appeared in the High Eight compilation film, which oh, uh, looks just that. amazing. Cannot yeah. wait to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> this show has sort of uh, this show being no budget nightmares has sort of come as an, at an interesting time for the kind of shot on video movies that and and direct to video movies that we cover because it seems like the the attention paid to them has really skyrocketed have you noticed that i have actually noticed that i mean i noticed i mean like i mean i've always had those friends who are into this sort of weird shit but now it's sure. like i seem to like 
I like they're just coming out of the woodwork and like I'm not going to say it's not like some like weird hipster fucking retro thing. You like I like you really see a lot of people with a lot of passion for this sort of stuff, you know, the Bobby Kellers and the uh the Johnny Dickies, you know. And you, you see these guys like they're just constantly talking about watching these movies, but it's cool though. It's it's kind of uh it's interesting to see people so passionate about such like low budget you know <laughs> it makes me feel a little bad you know <laughs> it makes me feel bad sometimes when i'm not quite as excited or as passionate about certain aspects of this community or if someone said you know i have i have this movie uh and i just found it and it looks like it was shot in someone's basement and yeah. <laughs> it i'm like that's cool uh yeah. i got lots of shit i need to see first but that I got- sounds like something that would be fun. Yeah, I got a buddy who's constantly trying to get me to watch that movie Dog Dick, and I'm just like, you know what? I've read about <laughs> it, and man, do I not want to watch that. That that sounds like a movie as uh, Ant Farm Dickhole, which we covered on this show, yeah. was for us, which uh, every time my wife is out and, pe- and people <laughs> say, so what do you do for fun, Doug? I'm like, well, I write about and I talk about movies sometimes. And she's like, yeah, you know what kind of movies he watches? <laughs> Ant Farm Dickhole. <laughs> Jill's got her finger on the Doug button right there. That's right. That, well, she knows the kind of stuff I enjoy. Right. She, of course, she doesn't bring up Rock and Roll Space Patrol. No, that's the good one. She wouldn't that's mention, like, <laughs> fucking Las Vegas Bloodbath. No, she's like, you know what he watches? He watches Kill Them and Eat Them. That's right. That's right. Wow, we're, this is a little walk down memory lane episode. <laughs> no budget nightmares. But uh, to stay focused... Uh, we are going to talk about Truth or Dare this week. Truth or Dare, uh, one of those movies that was sort of that regularly appeared in video stores. Yeah. I remember seeing it all over the place back in the 90s and the late 80s. Uh, it has a very uh, noticeable uh, cover art with kind of the, the bleeding text on black. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those movies that you would, uh, you would, defi- it would definitely kind of pique your curiosity. And I wonder if when people saw it, uh, and they checked it out if they really had an idea of the kind of movie they were getting because Probably that title, not. yeah, that title, Truth or Dare, uh, and then that subtitle, A Critical Madness, <laughs> doesn't really prepare you for the kind of movie you're about to see. Well, with with a title like Truth or Dare, you could really sort of expect anything. Yes. You know, like you don't, I mean, like obviously the blood implies that this is going to be like a horror film, but I mean, like Truth or Dare, I mean, really could go anywhere. It could be Madonna hanging out with exactly, uh, exactly. Warren Beatty. <laughs> uh, but no, that, this movie has very little Madonna and almost no Warren Beatty Thank in it. Thank goodness. Mm, it's a shame, I say. Uh, <laughs> uh, erotic, but uh, wow. uh, I guess we don't have to. Do we have to pay for that? <laughs> no, we, we, we didn't sing enough of it. Uh, but we should talk a little bit about how Truth or Dare came into being. Uh, for those who are interested and who all maybe already love this movie, uh, there's actually a documentary that Tim Ritter put together about the making of Truth or Dare. And it's it's just about feature length. And uh, I think he, or a representative, some sort of legitimate uh, uh, representation of this movie, has put it up to watch on YouTube. And it really is quite something. Especially, if you again, if you really like this movie and you're interested in how an 18-year-old put together a feature length, you know, modestly but reasonably budgeted movie. I think this mm. movie costs like $200,000. Uh, and, and he made it uh, with and, and already had some experience, but he made a movie that feels like a real movie. And yeah. I know that we, we say that almost, almost every episode when something feels like a real movie. But the fact is you can tell when you watch something that yeah. 
like if you're watching something shot on video, it can feel like a real movie still, but you have to make that mental adjustment. But sometimes a movie just feels like it's low budget. And it but just feels like it's fucking home videos, you know. Yeah. There's there's that difference between amateur filmmaking and and uh, no budget filmmaking, right. where, where where it could still have a professional kind of feel to it. And this movie had like like a stunt coordinator yeah. and, a, and a director of photography, you know, a crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like you didn't see the same fucking name 40 times in a row, which, I mean, again, I have no fucking problem with. Because, Neither do I. Of I course. mean, that, that's all of my movies because... You know, I can never get anybody to help me, but I mean, it, you know, so I mean, I get it. I, I totally dig. I dig on that. But like when you see one of these super low budget films and they and there's a full cast and a full crew, you know, like I mean, doing like real jobs, it's kind of cool, you know. And then, of course, it also gives them less of an excuse if it ends up being really bad. Right. Right. Uh, sort of. Anyway, in this case, uh, Tim Ritter had made a compilation film or a, or a portmanteau. Uh, wow. <laughs> in 1985, when he was even younger, uh, called Twisted Illusions. And he actually directed that with, uh, again, legendary low-budget actor Joel Weinkoop. Uh, and in that kind of compilation film, he did a, uh, a movie called Truth or Dare, or a segment called Truth or Dare, which basically is remade in this movie. The first mm. kind of third of the movie is a remake of that segment. And it almost, it almost plays beat for beat. The only major difference is that the lead actor in that version was Joel Weinkoop. Uh, and in this version, Joel Weinkoop appears, but it's in a very tiny part. And it, But I mean, I think that's a really interesting way of doing it. I mean, you and I, Mo, that's one of the things about watching a lot of no-budget movies is that there's tons of anthology films and compilation films. And because it's hard to make a, a, a full-length production so right. uh you know you get a few directors together everyone makes their 10 minute or 15 minute one you put them all together uh, but the idea of taking that and then using that to sell a larger production actually pitching it to producers that's something that you just don't see anymore mm. uh, and and but that's what tim ritter was able to do he found a distributor like an actual distributor he found people to produce it he found people to put up the, the two hundred thousand dollars to make the movie and this movie ended up being quite a success at the time uh, again one of the first uh, direct-to-video movies uh and and there's been multiple sequels and a few rip-offs out there and uh, and, and tim ritter has, has had a really impressive career of ultra low budget filmmaking yeah i was gonna say killing spree is one of my favorites yeah killing spree is an amazing movie uh and and i mean he's still uh, he's still making movies today again he was part of that high eight uh compilation and and even truth or dare Part four just came out a few years ago. Uh, but I love it. I love the idea that some of the – that's the thing about when we have investigated kind of those early films, uh, if we call it investigated, uh, when we were talking about – We watched, watched and talked about. Yeah, that's right. Hey, we talked about at length, I would say. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but when you talk about something like Blood Cult or Sledgehammer where you don't really get the sense that the people who made it were – really interested in being part of that community necessarily. They really wanted to kind of break out of it. Right, right. Uh, but here you have someone who really has embraced the low-budget aesthetic in the way that um, that some later directors, like someone like Todd Sheets, really did. Mm. Uh, so t I think Tim Ritter uh, deserves the patented no-budget nightmares salute. Whoop! That's the sound of the salute. <laughs>
That's something we're going to do now. <laughs> I was going to say, I was trying to think of like what sound effects we have. I could have played. I'm like, I don't really know. What no, I made the sound effect. Yeah. Let's not, that is, let's not do that. That is the traditional sound of saluting. Oh, it's a fucking slide whistle? Yeah. yeah it, groove is in the heart. <laughs> uh, Mo, on this episode of No Budget Nightmares. Now I have that stuck in my head the rest of the fucking show. <laughs> Remember, baby, a groove is in the heart. <laughs> uh, in fact, I think we should do nothing but Bootsy Collins impressions. All right. For the the remainder of this episode, which I think there's only about an hour and a half left. <laughs> Truth or dare, baby. Uh, I love. Um, I love the thing he does at the end of Super Bad, where it's like, "Oh, make love it." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're getting off topic. Totally. All right, I'm gonna have a drink, and I just did. Uh, and we, <laughs> uh, yeah, things are going off the rails, but we are going to talk about. I promise, Truth or Dare from 1986. Yeah, let's get to it. Mo, what was your experience with Truth or Dare before you sat down to watch it this time? Well, it's funny you should mention that because I was just sort of talking about this, how uh, I didn't realize that I had seen this before, but I must have seen, I, it was like late 90s, probably, maybe 99, 2000, not 2000, 98, 99, and... Um, and I'd forgotten completely about it. I'm like, I don't, you know, like you had mentioned it. I'm like, I mean, I know the film. I know what it's about. I know, you know, all the stuff about it. But I totally forgot that I'd actually seen it. Started watching the movie. I'm like, oh, I've seen this. So it became a much less torturous event. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> Click off. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I've seen I saw this. I'm out. Boring. I'm no. out. No, but it's a great movie. I love it. Uh, and, and I must have enjoyed it the first time, even though I didn't remember it. Sure, you must. No, I, you know, that's my life. You know, you watch so many fucking movies, you forget. That's my life. You know. <laughs> take, uh, yeah, I, take my life, please. <laughs> I uh, I saw Truth or Dare at some point in the 90s. And uh, again, it wasn't one of those things where I was seeking out ultra low budget movies. It was just, uh, it looked just like another movie, another horror movie on the shelf. And at that point, uh, again, growing up in a place which only had a few video stores, you would rent every horror movie that was on the shelf because right. that's what the selection was. Oh, so yeah. you would watch it and, you know, you'd start with the ones that looked good and then you'd move down to the ones that didn't and you would just end up seeing them all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still do that through Netflix queues sometimes. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, like, like I find that, like, with the Netflix queue specifically, like, I only watch the really, really good-looking ones and the really, really bad-looking ones, you know? Everything in the middle gets And everything pushed. in the middle just gets, yeah, pushed off to the side, and I just tend to forget about it. So I'm like, here I am, and, like, like how I've watched, like, Battle Dogs before I've watched other, anything else is... <laughs> Beyond I mean, it's me. it's all too easy these days, right? Yeah. I mean, it's and and that's not a complaint. I think too many people would complain about that, but it really is too fucking easy because, like, I'll be sitting at home, I'll be like, you know what? I'm gonna sit down right now and watch Truth or Dare and take my notes for the podcast, and then I'm like, I I go to a website and see a picture of the Rocketeer, and I'll be like. You know what? I'm going to watch that instead. So then I'll just watch that. <laughs> I'll watch the fucking Rocketeer. Because why not? Because it's 2014 and I can just do that. And now I'm going to watch the fucking Rocketeer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's good, by the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be sitting there. I'm going to be like, well, I really need to watch Zipper Face for tomorrow. And no, I'm going to watch the Rocketeer instead. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You're telling me there's a documentary about a fucking drag queen beauty pageant? Yeah, I'm going to watch that instead. <laughs> 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 it's just there's so much selection, which is why it's it can be 
fun, but it also can be a little overwhelming because right. I find that I, I feel handcuffed sometimes by the choice, by the fact that – and that's why even on this show we have difficulty picking a movie because – Really, we could pick almost anything, and, and we have we have a huge list too on top of the box set. So I mean, it's like really, there's so many things we could watch. And for people who've been listening for a long time, they know that we used we started just kind of randomly picking from some of these box sets, uh, and uh, from this one box set, <laughs> from this one box set. Well, I mean, it did have quite a few to yeah, choose yeah, from. That's true, and and it's. And it's kind of we started exploring some of the, the again the luminaries from the the genre, so to speak. But uh, but. We didn't even get like a quarter of the way through that box set. Yeah. There's so much more. There's many miles to go. We could do another year of episodes doing nothing but shows uh, shows based on movies on that box set and still not get halfway through it. Yeah. So that's, that is the path we've chosen. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, this, this show needs to be on for the next, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. Maybe we yeah. should start covering two movies forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come sit down with us for four and a half hours as we discuss. That's, that's the thing. Because of the format we have, there's no way to shorten the process. There's no right? way. <laughs> that was one of the most refreshing things about the previous episode on Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, because uh, It was so easy. Because it was easy. Because it was yeah. something we were so familiar with. Um, but I'm, I'm, I dig, I digress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say we're we're already 20 minutes into this one, and we haven't even started on this on this movie. Let's yet. spend 45 minutes talking about how long the episodes yeah. tend to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the te- the episodes do tend to be about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on how long the movie is. So this one's gonna be like I don't know, three or four hours by the time we're done with it. We're gonna get there. We'll get Truth there. or Dare: Critical Madness from 1986. Let's let's start with the first sound clip. Yep. <laughs> was that it? Did it play? That was it. It played. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh God! We got two weeks to fix this. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the, the the weird thing about the opening credits of this movie, which which play right over the the top, is that it the film is not credited as being directed by Tim Ritter. Right, <laughs> affirmative. Good, yeah, good it's, it says like based on a story by Tim Ritter, right? That's right. Yeah. But it says it's produced and directed by Yale Wilson, uh. who was one of the producers of the movie. Interesting, isn't that strange? That I is think strange. That, I mean, there was a lot of production problems and and difficulties uh, that I guess led to uh, eventually Tim Ritter taking his name off the movie uh, in terms of, of directorial credit. But the recent DVD release of the movie. Has Tim Ritter's credit put in back in as director? An Alan Smithy film, an Alan Smithy movie, but it's, it is kind of strange for the it the the directorial credit to go to the producer. Yeah, I mean, I imagine. Can you imagine being an eighteen-year-old with a two hundred thousand dollar budget after having only made, uh, you know, really um, no budget, like literally no budget movies before that, or movies that had like a, a thousand dollar budget? Uh, it must have just been. <laughs> exciting but a totally nightmare scenario to have a whole crew to be in charge of that right yeah when i was 18 year- years old i was a complete fucking idiot when i was 18 years old i i had um a floor model television with two other televisions on top of it and i would just be binge watching movies on all three of them just constantly i I didn't actually think that like well what am i gonna do am i gonna go make a movie or not fuck that i want to watch movies you know so i I, I gotta explore this a little bit more so did you watch like the movies 
on the three screens at the same time? Yeah, like one of the televisions was like always porn. Okay. <laughs> one of the televisions would always be some foreign film that I could read, and the other one would be an American movie that I could that I could watch. But yeah, it was it's constantly three movies at a time, always. That that sounds like the prototypical American excess. It kind of, yeah uh, yeah. Also, I, I also it sounds I also, really fucking confusing. I also dripped cheese on on all of it and uh, and added salt to everything. So hmm, that's well, it's quite a uh, recipe. Yeah. That you have there, Mo. And I painted everything <laughs> red, white, and blue and shouted, America, all the time. You just kicked over all the televisions because why the fuck not? <laughs> I did because America, that's why. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, America. So, uh, Truth or Dare starts with two people fucking. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to say, thumbs up to Tim Ritter because uh, you, uh, you got to kick out, you got to start your movie with a bang. Yeah. So I literally wrote, wow, opens with a boob shot. Like, yeah. Amazing. Boobs. Uh, and uh, we uh, the the sex scene is intercut with a uh, slightly nerdy looking gentleman played by John Brace. Uh, mm-hmm. That that would be Mike Strauber returning home in his car. Uh, and uh, I think we get an idea of what's happening here. Sure. Oh my God! What's happening? That clip has some of the best orchestral stings I have <laughs> ev- ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sh- my God. Sharon. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the, Mike uh, walks in on his wife, Sharon, uh, fucking his, uh, I guess, friend and, and her boss at that time. Uh, and uh, it uh, doesn't go well. It does not. And it's it's this is a. This movie starts, by the way, very similarly to Las Vegas Bloodbath. It really does, yeah. And all I could think while I was watching was Las Vegas Bloodbath is sort of a ripoff of this movie, except with oil wrestling. <laughs> Ruthie loved oil wrestling. <laughs> but uh, this, uh, but I mean, I think it was clear that that movie was influenced by this one. So um, Mike freaks out, runs off. Uh, and one of the interesting things about this movie is that his wife, uh, Sharon, isn't shown as being an awful person right. necessarily, right? You know, in most movies, and, and most movies in general, but certainly most low-budget movies, someone who is cheating on the main character is going to look like a complete uh, slut, and, and, and she's going to be shown to be just an awful person who's mistreating him. What we discover is that as he drives, we get a lot of flashbacks to what has happened between them. And uh, when she says, after he catches him, that she's, she's been trying to tell him, uh, we see that she really was trying to tell him. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. And this is another, like, I love how, how he jumps dr- straight to this tactic, like, almost immediately of, like, right. the constant, like, you know, reused footage. <laughs> it's like, we just saw it, now we're seeing it again, and we're going to see it again in two more seconds, and, then, oh, and there's this other clip, and we're to see that one but it works though like and this is one of those weird cases where it really works because like he's giving more information each yeah time. each time yeah. he gives a little bit more information and like you know and, and mike is remembering more and more um <clears throat> yeah i mean it's it's pretty yeah. cool 
it works out really well, and it, we, it gives us it really kind of develops him quickly because uh, one of the the flashbacks shows him talking to Sharon at a restaurant, and he is talking uh, about how he at one point had a nervous breakdown, right. uh, but now that he's had a recent raise, and he's he like gives her a, a watch with an alarm on it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which might might come in uh, handy not, later. Not on. foreshadowing at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really odd bit of foreshadowing, but uh, she feels at that point that she can't break his heart <laughs> after all of these good things are happening to yeah. him. Uh, but anyway, it he is devastated by catching his wife cheating on him, and he drives to the ocean. <laughs> Where this amazing music is playing. Yeah, let's oh, hear some of this yeah, music. this is great. It sounds like shitty Rush. <laughs> you mean Rush. <laughs> what I said, Rush. Oh, uh, funny, funny. <laughs> I'm Canadian, so I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> Don't you fuck with the three-man army. Um, I like I like this part where he's obviously devastated, and he's walking by the ocean, and he's sort of wandering. It looks like it was shot without any permission at oh, all. Oh, it was definitely shot without any permission at all because the person because all of a sudden this person comes running by, and like he was, it's obvious that like he did not expect that person to be there, <laughs> and he starts uh, throwing rocks into the ocean. So uh, this is a good point by the way to talk about john brace is performance in the lead as mike strauber mm. uh, because he, he only really gets to do kind of a lot of uh sympathetic acting here at the beginning part by the way right. this movie is structured in such a fucked up way compared to almost any other horror movie right. uh and that's probably because the one the first third of it is just a remake of this other short film so the other two pieces are like two other chunks that are almost two separate uh other movies yeah uh, so so he, uh, this performance is. I actually think he's really good in it. He's got kind of like a Jimmy Stewart vocal thing going on, and it's so weird too because like he's only he only ever did two things. He did yeah. this, and he did an episode of Cheers, I believe. Yeah, isn't that strange? It's I'm, very weird because he looks like one of those actors who would have gotten a lot of. I mean, not lead work necessarily, but certainly you know he could he could have done a lot of character work. Easily. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he. I think he was he worked at some sort of Burt Reynolds dinner theater thing (laughs) (laughs) but uh so mike uh gets back into his car after uh commiserating with the ocean and decides he's going to kill himself yep with a gun but he doesn't do it no no (laughs) but we do get a flashback to him playing truth or dare when he was a little kid and uh, they, it, it, it shows that he's had sort of a self-mutilation streak even for a very long time. Yeah, and it just seems like everybody's constantly, like, fucking with him. It's so, it's it's sort of weird. Like, like even his mom's, like, fucking with him. She's like, yeah. oh, Mike, why don't you get some good friends? Why don't you get some good friends? <laughs> now, there's something very strange about Mike as a child that we only discovered very recently. Like, literally, like, the second before we started re- recording. <laughs> Now I can't I can't say for sure that this information is accurate. It has However, to be. It has to be. It has to be. I did read it in a review and I saw it on the IMDb profile that the little Mike in this scene who mutilates himself with, by cutting his arm is played by Backstreet Boy AJ McLean. Now see that doesn't really mean anything to me because the Backstreet Boys are way past my time, but it's just interesting that you know that, that here we have what uh, I, I, it's past my time man i'm 34 i don't know anything about backstreet boys i was a new oh. kid on the block guy oh 
Backstreet's back. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm 33 and will be 34 this year, so it's not like we have these different <laughs> fucking age bracket we're talking about. Yeah, here. but I mean, like emotionally and mentally, you know. Mm, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I had a younger sister that kind of really got me. Uh, well, I was going to say got me into the Backstreet. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I have an older sister, and that's why I know more about New Kids on the Block because that's what she was into. But uh, but it is fascinating that this you know that this kid was. Uh, w- was a later Backstreet Boy. Yes. And meanwhile, in this movie, he's sitting there slicing his wrist open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike, when are you going to get some good friends? Like, so, uh, like Lance Bass and Justin Timberlake. That's the right bit. No, that's uh, NSYNC, isn't it? That's NSYNC. Oh, you don't man. know. See, yeah, that's proof right there. I don't know anything about this shit. You're secretly a massive Backstreet Boys fan, and I am going to prove it before this episode is out. So uh, Mike is driving around after deciding not to kill himself, and he passes a very attractive hitchhiker. Uh, And he stops, and he asks asks her where she's headed, and she says, anywhere you are. And then it suddenly cuts to him. Purchasing all of this uh, camping equipment, <laughs> and I didn't—I didn't realize what it was at first because all I could really make out of all the stuff he bought was like a, a hatchet, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, so she's going with him, knowing full well that he just purchased a hatchet." But yeah, she—they decided to go camping, and, and like he sets it up like really quickly. He sets up a tent. They're out there having a great, a grand old time out in the woods, sort of. <laughs> and he—he uh, he says something to her. Which is meant to uh, suggest that he's a very sane person, but it's the sort of thing that would only ever be said by a person who isn't sane. Let's hear it. You know, some people drink, take drugs. Not me. Uh, I'm sane. I can cope in today's world. And like, there's that real subtle moment where like he goes, "I can cope in today's world," and like snaps the twig, and like, like, like even just listening to it, you could totally hear like that dude's about that dude is ready to fucking break. So they, uh, he asks her her name, and she says that it's Sharon, and he gets a little upset by that. Yeah, he flips uh, out. Yeah, he flips the fuck out actually. But then they start to uh, relax and have a little game of truth or dare. Now this. These elements uh, might suggest something to you at this point. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think I think most of our listening audience would would hear those words and say, "Oh, well, there's someone's going to get naked soon." That's that's not what I was suggesting. No, that's what I. See, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. That's what I say. When I hear truth or dare with a man and a woman oh, yeah. camping, I'm assuming that some nakedness is about to happen. Oh yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. she even says, "Maybe we can get to know each other better," right. which is code for she wants to fuck. Right. And plus, she's camping in a fucking mini skirt. So, I mean, come on. That's like if I'm at a public event and someone sits down next to me and says, "You know, I'd like to get to know you a little better." Yeah. I know what that means. I'd I'd immediately whip out my dick. I'd be, I'd be yeah. like talking to and the I, mic. I start yanking on my crank. <laughs> <laughs> I'd start jerking my gherkin. You know. And yeah. Be, and she knows what's up. Yeah, she knows what's up. My dick is what's up. Exactly. That's what we're talking. About. Exactly. And she loves it. Probably. No, probably not. Uh, but yeah, I'm an know. I'm an alpha male. Is what I'm <laughs> I get what I want. When she gives me that dirty look, it's really a come-hither stare. Exactly. Boy, this is getting dark. Anyway. No no means yes. Speaking of dark, what I was getting at is that this woman doesn't exist. Exactly. (laughs) This uh, truth or dare game and the fact that she calls herself Sharon and says that she loves him, uh, he's having a uh, a bit of a mental breakdown. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, this truth or dare game, which starts with her telling him to throw his wallet into the fire, which he does. 
Would you do that, Mo, if I told you to throw your wallet into the fire? I probably would. I'd have to take some things out of it first. But What would you take out of it? Well, you know, my license and my... Prophylactic? You know, cre- credit cards, yeah, my my 14-year-old <laughs> prophylactic. You know. We are old men. My, sper- my sperm donor card. Um, yeah, you can't take anything out of it. That's kind of the fucking point, yeah, right? Yeah, no, see, I can't do that, though. Because <laughs> all that money. Yeah, because all that money that I, that I don't have. Well, Mike does it. Mike tosses his shit right in, and yep. uh, then he dares her to lift up her blouse, which, by the way, jumping right to the blouse lifting was brilliant. And she it does was. it, though we don't get to see it. I love I love that he asks her if she's 18, <laughs> which is hilarious because she looks 30. She, I mean, she doesn't look 18 at all. Well, I mean, a lot of people in the 80s who were... That's true. <laughs> Some hard-living women back then, you know, you... Heavy metal, heavy metal parking lot taught me that you can be twelve and look thirty. So, <laughs> so the things jump to the violent very quickly, where she says that she dares him to pull his eye out. Yeah, um, and, and he his turn, he turns that right around on her. That's right. No, I dare you to pull out your eye with this. This. Yeah, and she does. Yeah. And, by, and by the way, this is a corkscrew. Yeah, so she pulls out her own eye with a corkscrew. Yeah, and then she dares him to cut his own finger off. But that, but you have to remember, but you have to realize that this is the moment where you know that she's fake because she does it, and then it cuts back to her, and she's fine. And her eyes fine. Yeah, right, she's that's fine. Exactly. So then he stabs basically his own finger off, and then he cuts his chest open, uh, and then then he dares her to kiss him. So I guess he's still playing. He's like, before I do anything else, I dare you to kiss me. Uh, but uh, th- when he kisses her, she briefly turns into Sharon and with like weird shit all over her mouth. Yeah. And then she uh, she does one more truth or dare to him. Truth, truth or dare. You, you, you dare me to rip my tongue out? Oh. All right, I will. <laughs> and I had to let it go just long enough to get that last <laughs> musical sting in there because <laughs> this whole movie is just nothing but fucking musical stings. But uh, I like I love the way that this dude says, "All right, I will." He sounds like fucking Paul Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> Extreme. Um, it, the. The, the making of Truth or Dare, the one that's on YouTube, and I think it's also available on the DVD edition of the film, it, it shows a lot of a long, lengthy clip of, uh, of the segment from the, uh, the anthology film uh, that had the original version with mm. Joel Weinke playing the lead. And this segment where he's like p- cutting his chest and, and pulling his tongue out is exactly the same. Wow. In the, and in fact, it, it all leads up to uh, the, the discovery uh, that there is no one else with him that he is mutilating himself. Right. Uh, a ranger finds him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the ranger finds him sort of rolling around on the ground, he makes these really... Th- th- well, what it does is it cuts then to an ambulance arriving at the hospital, right. and he's being brought in on a gurney, and he's making some weird sounds. Well, yeah, because his tongue had just been cut out, so, of course, you know, you have to make weird gurgly noises. But but we, we go above and beyond. We're actually yeah. going to do play the noises for Yeah, them. let's hear the noise. You know what he kind of sounds like? He kind of sounds like those goats that scream like people. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> trouble! <laughs> trouble. <laughs> 
so that is the end of the first act of the movie. This is a three-act movie. You by the know, way, like- by the way, I really like that you jumped right to the Taylor Swift uh, <laughs> remix. Remix with the goats. <laughs> hey man, that's that's. I'm a I'm a modern person. <laughs> so this is the end of the first act of the film. The film is split into three acts, and uh, each one is sort of its own separate story. And I will be honest and say that I think this first act is the weakest of the three. Yeah, I kind of like. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah, yes, I'll just agree with you. I agree. oh, please do, yeah. <laughs> because uh, even though it's interesting and it's almost a little bit tragic when you when you think about it, and it probably would work m- better as just a story in and of itself. Mm. The way it escalates is sort of it's not very engaging, and also the gore looks it looks kind of dumb. It's not very it's not very fun. I guess is what I should right, say. Right. It's it is more tragic than fun. But what's about to come is actually a lot more kind of goofy and in, in, intentionally so and a lot more enjoyable to watch right yeah, so there we is, go- there, is, there is actually some very successful humor in this movie but but it doesn't really start until after this point no it doesn't exactly and in fact that humor starts really quickly because we're going to sunnyvale mental institution which Su- sunnyville sunnyville <laughs> mental institution sorry <laughs> is sunnyvale from buffy the vampire yeah, sunnyvale's <laughs> buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> And this is 13 months later, and uh, this is the worst mental institution in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love how they're like it's it opens up and there's these two like sort of uh, you know I don't what, what would you call doctors, it? Like doctors I guess yeah employees Bert and Emma. Yeah, I didn't actually t- pay attention to their names. I uh, did. Yeah, uh, and they're talking about how like they're running out of space and they need to shift ship some people upstate, and they mention how. Uh, how they thought that Mike would have been a prime candidate for that, but they just released him that morning. <laughs> it seems like it's setting up that that he is going to get moved or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's already released at this point. It's right. 13 months later. Um, we, and, like to, we like to call that superfluous. <laughs> yeah. But th- I mean, even their conversation has dark humor in it. They're talking right. about this patient who beheaded his mother and but that the board will probably just let him be transferred. <laughs> uh, so Mike, yeah, he's out. He's like just walking out the front door and there's a guy there dropping his car off yeah and this guy's pissed because he wants some money yeah he's like you know i i held on to this for the last 13 months and now uh what are you gonna get for me and nothing <laughs> <laughs> nothing well anyway he he has a, a quite an insult to uh to give to mike yes yeah, what i'm gonna start calling you from now on <laughs> come on you booger eating wacko i haven't got all fucking day i took care of you so take care of me you want to play truth or dare Screw you, wacko. <laughs> Screw you, wacko. <laughs> I like how obvious it is that Mike is still incredibly disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> like because then he gets in his car and like he has these papers, I guess, that are like like sanity papers. And he just rips them up and just throws, throws them in the air out the window. and laughs maniacally. Makes his own little <laughs> fucking ticker tape parade. <laughs> and his literally his first act is to go to a phone booth. And make a call to the one person he's not supposed to be calling in the world, <laughs> which is Sharon. Who, but credit to Sharon, she's uh, she's still with Jerry. Thirteen months later, yep. uh, they seem to be happy and playful. Even though she uh, once once she gets the call and nobody is at the other end because he doesn't make any noise, uh, 
he, she pretends that she's cheating on Jerry with someone else, right. which is a hilarious joke considering how they got together. <laughs> I, I like how Jerry seems like playfully pissed about it, where he says something like, "One day she's gonna push me over the edge," which is <laughs> which is amusing considering what's about to happen. Right, exactly. <laughs> now I have to give credit to Jerry for this amazingly ugly yellow Hawaiian shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> I mean, like, I am a huge fan of ugly Hawaiian shirts, but this this thing might be the ugliest Hawaiian shirt I've ever seen. And that's saying something, given the competition in this film. In this movie, yeah. I was going to say, the probably number two is also in this movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Florida. Yeah. If you're going to listen to Jimmy Buffett, and you're going to... Is that what people do in Florida? I guess. I don't know. All I know is they're, they generally are old and, you know... Stupid or, crazy. Or Hispanic, yeah. It's... Nothing wrong with that, though. No. All right. <laughs> so uh, the, while uh, so anyway, Jerry goes into his garage or something, his shop to work on something, and while he's there, and Sharon is is doing some shit in the kitchen, um, Mike shows up. Mike's there. Like he goes straight there. It's amazing. Like and his intention, by the way, is obvious. He's there to kill her. There's yeah, no other way around. Because he immediately grabs a knife. <laughs> There's actually some really good suspense in this scene because, uh, like, he 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 gets closer and closer to her, and something keeps interrupting him. Right, right. Uh, the first thing that happens is that he's like super close to killing her, and then her watch beeps. Hey, the watch! Remember that? Yeah. And uh, he hides, <laughs> and then he hears uh, Jerry in the other room uh, working on something, like using a hammer. Mm-hmm. So he decides to go check on him. Right. And by check hey. on, we mean murder. Murder. And while he's going to murder him, by the way, the radio mentions that mental patients have been released. <laughs> yeah, and I love how like uh, I love how her reaction is like, I wonder if Mike is one of those. I wonder if they should tell her if Mike is one of them. Yeah, you'd you know? you'd think when your criminally violent, insane, you know, ex husband uh, is getting out of the out of a fucking insanity in insane asylum, that you know maybe tell the person who he last tried to kill. You would think. You'd think. <laughs> so he kills Jerry, whose only response as he turns around to see Mike is to go, Mike! <laughs> Mike! <laughs> uh, and then uh, Mike comes up behind Sharon in the kitchen. Uh, he has blood all over him, yep. which is the international sign of, I just, just killed, killed somebody. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and as he's about to stab her, I believe, he uh, I, believe, I believe it was OJ who taught us that one. That's indeed. Yeah. <laughs> as he's about to stab her, his watch, his watch goes off. It's a cavalcade of wackiness. Oh, it's just uh, silliness. Yeah, and she Im- immediately slices him across the stomach, meaning that his attempt to kill her is woefully unsuccessful. Foiled. Uh, so she runs in and she finds Jerry's body. She calls the police, uh, which is a very smart thing to do. Tells them what's happening. And Mike, by the way, who is deadly, like he's wounded very badly, he runs off and collapses on the street. Right. This whole sequence is really strange because like a couple find him and they're like totally concerned because they don't know that he's a crazy person. I love how half the cast is like young kids and half the cast is elderly people. And that's it when they show up there. It's like, what's going on like, here? Oh, he looks hurt. <laughs> we haven't been introduced. It's so strange, by the way. We only get introduced at this point to the kind of the main police presence in this movie. Right. And it's this older gentleman who we're going to get more familiar with. But that's exactly what you're talking about, where he's like, he's like, he's he's old in the way like the lead guy in Blood Cult is old, right? Where, right. Where he he doesn't even like have any presence at all. Yeah. Uh, it, apparently, the police in this movie are 
were designed as a tribute to the police in Last House on the Left, which, by the way, the police in Last House on the Left are the most inappropriate comic relief in any movie ever. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous that that's in the movie. <laughs> but uh, but they're not they're not comedic here. They just call an ambulance, and, and Mike is brought back to uh, Sunnyville Mental Institution. Right. In this case, it's 13 days later. It says, uh, and Mike at this point he's really out of it. He's like in a wheelchair. But we see. Um, that it doesn't seem like actually 13 days has passed at all. It looks like they've just brought him directly there. Right. Yeah, he's still a mess, and he's, you know, I mean, he's like he might as well still be covered in blood. There's this really weird sequence that they bring in a doctor, like uh, I think her name is Dr. Bachman, and they talk about the kind of brain disorder that he might have, and it seems like it's setting up this relationship between them. Right. But she is never talked about or shown again. For yeah, the she, the she, she's like the... Uh... Uh, the character in films that I like, I call them the Oracle. Like they're right? they're the one person who shows up, tells you exactly what's happening, and then you never see them again. He's like that dude at the end of Psycho, right. that guy that everyone hates, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so he she has a problem that it probably started in childhood. That's exactly yeah. right. I mean, just she's just elaborating on his condition, but I it's mean, we, pure we pretty much worked it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she says, yeah, she says she's going to research the case, and we expect her to show up again, but she never does. Never does. So they put Mike in a cell where he can't hurt himself. They say. Right. Uh, and except, except for the fact that they put him in there in a giant metal chair, a giant metal chair, and they apparently did not search him. No, for thirteen <laughs> days. And he, it, like, he like circles in a wheelchair for a while. Uh, and I, I don't know how much of the the following sequence is supposed to be fantasy or not. I think it's all supposed to be fantasy. It's all supposed to be, but obviously he does take out some sort of weapon to mutilate his own face. Right. 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 But uh, but this is a great fantasy sequence. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I agree. <laughs> because Mike, uh, this is where the movie kind of kicks into high gear and it stays there for pretty much the rest of the movie. Right. Where the first thing he does is he takes out a knife and uh, he actually uh, talks about how he snuck it in. Look what I brought in. And they didn't even catch it. <laughs> that laugh is so creepy. I mean, he's really lost it at this yeah. point. That <laughs> you would think at this point, there's no way he's getting out again. Uh, and it, it's, it's actually they do a really nice thing where they cut back to the doctors from before, the ones who let him out. Yeah. And and the the female one, Emma, she's really blaming herself for. The murders because she was the one responsible for letting him out. Right, but it, that's it's weird that she's still so upset after thirteen days. Yeah, but she said she's like she feels like the blood of Jerry is on her hands. But uh, she should really chill out because a lot more blood's going to be on her. Hands. <laughs> <laughs> like it, like momentarily. Yeah, in like a minute. So uh, Mike starts to believe, or uh, he has a fantasy that there are people in the room with him, two other patients. Right, an older guy and a, and a younger guy. Yeah, and he decides that it's time to play a little truth or dare. All right. Truth or dare? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy's delivery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh 
again, I mean, it, it is a really interesting kind of psychological direction for the movie to take where the way that he's kind of finding excuses to mutilate himself. But it's such a strange fantasy. He gives the guy the knife and he dares him to slice his arm off. And the guy just immediately cuts his own hand off. <laughs> and the guy's like, okay! <laughs> he just chops <laughs> it right off. Uh, and, hey. the- <laughs> and then he turns to the other guy, and he apparently has snuck in a grenade. <laughs> 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 she tells him, uh, well, he, well, we have the sound clip. He, well, this is what he tells him. I dare you to put this in your mouth. And blow your head off. <laughs> Some great delivery oh, here. Those sound effects are so good. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love that the, the, when he takes the grenade and he like pulls the pin on it. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's really quite good. And then uh, he goes back to the first guy and tells him to cut his leg off. He or actually he says that I told you to I cut your leg you off. Cut your leg off. And the guy's like super pissed because he's like, you haven't done anything yet. <laughs> he's like crying and like, like really like overacting, but it's kind of perfect because like, it's sort of the acting you'd expect from somebody who's in a mental institution. Right. You know, it's like, you haven't done anything yet. Yeah, it's, 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 it, I mean, again, the acting in this movie in general is, is pretty good. Certainly yeah. Surprisingly good. See from, from some of its contemporaries. Right. Let's hear him. Let's hear him yell, cut your leg off. What? That's the uh, number 12. No, man. No? no. All right. <laughs> no. Then I guess I'm... Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, we yeah, that that wasn't one of them. All right. Or if it was, then I fucking missed it. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh they're they're mutilating themselves and the patient tells Mike that it, it's his turn to do something and he pulls out a screwdriver, what looks like sort of like a screwdriver, and uh and the patient tells him to rip off his own face. Right. <laughs> By the way, when all of this is happening, uh, the nurses at this point have not really uh, been checking on him at all. Yeah, exactly. Like, how long has he been alone in this room? I mean, but of course, I mean, the whole point being is that the uh, the Dan Haggerty-looking guy who uh, put him in there, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, pretty much put him in there so that he could go and do other stuff, so you didn't have yeah. to fucking bother with him. He's not a very good nurse. Yeah, no, he is not. So the guy breaks in, uh, that nurse, the Dan Haggerty nurse. Yeah. <laughs> The Grizzly Adams nurse, uh, he he breaks the in the. I guess like the door is difficult to open now for some reason. Yeah, uh, he breaks in and uh, Mike has sliced up his face, and then we get a great shot of the other patient who doesn't exist, his head exploding from the grenade. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I love it when he when he busts in. Mike's like, wait, and then the guy's head explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to see that head explosion, head over to our No Budget Nightmares Facebook page because yeah. it made for a lovely looking animated GIF. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Or GIF. Ugh. What do you say, Mo? Uh, I say GIF. I don't give a shit what the maker, you know, what the inventor of it pronounces it. You know, you spell it with a G. I'm calling it a fucking GIF. All right. Well, yeah. I'm going to say GIF. Choosy moms, choosy <laughs> nerds choose GIF. <laughs> Indeed. Well, by the way, now it's five months later. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Mike is still at Sunnyville. And uh, and he apparently has not been treated with much respect over that five-month period. He has been very creative in the sense that he has formed a copper mask that he wears at all times. Right. Uh, this movie goes total vanilla sky at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and so Mike wears a fucking copper mask. Why not? And it, it, 
the thing that happens now is the sort of thing where I don't know how much abuse occurs uh, in in these sort of mental institutions, a but lot. but the Grizzly Adams guy comes in with a uh, a photograph of Mike's wife, right? Like in, in like a not just a photograph, like a framed picture right, with right. glass in front of it and everything. Which, by the way, given a guy who's in a mental institution, a bunch of shattered glass when he smashes the picture, which he inevitably does, yeah. that's not a good idea. No. So uh, we also get introduced to the two other nurses who apparently work there as well. Two male nurses, I should say. Mm-hmm. Orderlies, maybe. Uh, one of them is Disorderlies. a black guy. Disorderlies. Oh, starring the fat boys. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but, but there's that one of them is a black guy who uh, is one of those 80s black guys who likes to listen to his headphones. and <laughs> like uh, to listen to his jive-ass music. Jive ass music, which uh, is uh, that jive ass music is called jive ass music by the other nurse slash orderly played by Joel Weinkoop, mm. who only has like a, like a minute long uh, part in this movie, but what would go on to have a long, not only a long acting career that that continues to this day, but to also work with Tim Ritter again and again and again. And one of the things, by the way, it shows in the behind the scenes and making of is uh, that. A little bit later, we're going to see a shed explode, and Joel helped build that fucking shed. That's cool. Yeah, because yeah. he has like a props credit in this too, right? Absolutely, and yeah. I think stunt credit as well. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, obviously he was there to do it all. Uh, so, um, yeah, so let's hear a little bit from from this uh, this orderly. Man, that guy gives me the creeps. He's so weird. And that copper mask he made in the shop, he never takes it off. Yeah, but it's better than looking at his face. Thorne said he tore it all up with a survival knife. He's hideous looking. Even worse than you, man. <laughs> I like <laughs> Even worse than you. Even worse than you. And then he tells him to listen to his jive-ass music, and the guy immediately Just immediately plays. pops the headphones on. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen to my jive-ass music. I love my uh, jive-ass music. So Mike has this picture uh, and smashes it and starts destroying his room. Right. Which causes the black nurse to go in and check on him. Now, I would have thought that uh, that he would have taken the broken glass and used that to escape. Yeah, right. But instead, he Mike grabs a pencil and stabs the guy through the eye. Yeah, with a pencil. Yeah. Which you'd think a shard of glass would work better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, anyway, you, you make do. Teach his own. <laughs> And uh, and then he runs off. He runs out of the of his cell, and he actually runs outside and ends up having a fight with a uh, with like a guard, like a security guard. I actually really love this stunt. It's great, isn't yeah. it? It's, he tumbles off the side of this kind of uh, guardrail. stairwell, yeah. yeah, guardrail, and and it falls. It looks great. It's amazing. It's a really yeah. really great stunt for this like budget of a film. It's really impressive. And now this movie's about to get awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was so not expecting this. I mean, I kind of, yeah. I was expecting something to happen, you know? Uh, well, we'll set it up basically. Like, so uh, he gets away in his car. He starts speeding off or he gets He's away. Still wearing in, his copper mask. Still wearing his way. copper mask. And, uh, and next thing we know, we're cut to a woman walking her baby in a stroller. You I know. can't tell you again. I hadn't seen this movie since I was a teenager. I didn't remember anything about it. Yeah. I totally forgot I about s- this. When I saw that woman pushing the stroller, I'll, I'll, my hands just naturally started rubbing together. Right, because you're like, oh, God, something something really awful is about to happen. But, you know, it, but like, man, even I didn't realize, like, how, like, abrupt it was going to happen. Like, because it's just kind of all of a sudden, like, she's pushing the carriage and then, bam! 
bam! <laughs> <laughs> and he demolishes it. Just uh, demolishes again. fucking blood everywhere. <laughs> now, originally, uh, it, it was supposed to be much more intentional uh-huh. that like he was like targeting the child. Right. But apparently, the producers got cold feet on it. But the thing is, it's even a little bit more brutal this way because you right. don't expect it as exactly, much. Exactly, because it comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, that's so great. I mean, not the killing of a child, but I mean, you know, like just eh, the, the way it ha- yeah, the way it happens. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah. And so he destroys. It's those, the yeah, it's one of those jump in the air and fucking pump your fist. Like I cannot believe that just fucking happened. <laughs> wow, you really do do get excited about this. I, uh, and then he looks back <laughs> and uh, he sees the woman who is uh, not yet in shock because right. she's still kind of getting up. And uh, he uh, immediately sees her as his mother, and then he backs his car backs over. backs right over <laughs> Oh, we shouldn't laugh, but it, yet, here we are. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of that uh, that kid getting his head run over scene in fucking Toxic Avenger. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I think, and, and right. it would have been right around this time period, but yeah. It, it, and there's another scene that's about to come up that also... <laughs> reminiscent of that Uh, so then we get the police presence which we haven't really seen much of at this point right we we get introduced uh kind of the second introduction of that older cop character from earlier he's detective rosenbaum (laughs) of course of course it's an old jew in florida he goes police department detective (laughs) rosenbaum what can i do for you and uh he finds out that uh, this guy has escaped and like he's murdered a bunch of people and his reaction is like he's pissed and he just starts to smoke. He just sits there and smokes. <laughs> Cuz what else are you going to do? Yeah, it's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> so, uh then uh because now it's just going to be a series of encounters where Mike runs into people and fucking murders them. Yeah, basically the rest of the movie is just murder after murder. It's pretty pretty great. We go right to a guy who's kind of his. Uh, he's parked on the side of the road because with like his wife and a friend or something, and they're arguing because he's about to run out of gas. Well, and right, a- b- right before that happens, uh, Mike gets cut off by this rowdy driver. That's right. And that that driving scene was such like a close call. Like I was like, wow. yeah, like it's I, a real stunt. It was a real stunt, and it looked so good. Probably because they did it by accident. But either way. I- it's, I don't think so because, like, it, when, again, in the behind the scenes, they showed like they clo- they had the co- the police closing off the road oh, wow. for, for like they and real stunt drivers. So I mean, they were going for it. Uh, that's awesome because that's a yeah. good, that's a great little. I mean, it's just one little near miss, but it's so good, uh, and it sets up the next scene perfectly. So, like you're saying, yeah, there's a guy and his and his wife or girlfriend and a friend, and. Uh, <laughs> group of punks yeah, drive up it, yeah a group him. of punks drive up next to him and they're like oh you know we you know we need gas you know can you point us in the right direction they're like shut up we dropped our joint <laughs> they're just being complete assholes because yeah. it, you know they're punks it's the 80s right right <laughs> and they just sort of laugh at him and this and this this guy who was running out of gas just drives off right but he's he's then replaced by mike who pulls up next to them in his copper mask <laughs> And they they are they he just stares at them and they're they're a little bit creeped out. Come on, Ted, let's get out of here, man. This motorhead gives me to creep. Really, this isn't Halloween, you know. You're Come weird, on, Ted. asshole. Come on, Ted. Fuck you, man. <laughs> oh, he throws his beer out of him. Fuck you, yeah. man. <laughs> You're a weird asshole. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're a weird asshole. 
So they drive off and uh, for a little bit, and they did, it's really strange because they drive a little bit, and then the girls get out of the car. And uh, yeah, what lucky are they, for them though? Yeah, lucky for them because then this punk guy tries to run Mike off the road. Yeah, there's actually a pretty cool. Uh, uh, the, 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 this is a cool there. car yeah. chase. It's a great car- little little car chase and then they both run into each other and like yeah so mike it's kind of weirdly edited just, so it's hard to tell who's hitting who's right yeah because yeah because it looks like because it looks like it looks like mike's hitting the other car but it also looks like mike's is the car that explodes yeah but it's right. not really but right. anyway so we so we get we get this you know burning scene and i'll just play it so here we have the sound of burning <laughs> we hear some grunting, I think, too. Yeah, there it comes. <laughs> and I like how they have to just continuously add fucking <laughs> orchestral, you know, uh, stings in there. <laughs> So in case we didn't really explain it, the punk, his car explodes and he tumbles out of it uh, with like a full body burn, which is really cool for a low budget movie. <laughs> then Mike bursts out of the top of his own car and shoots him with a machine gun. Yeah, and he's just fucking firing off this fucking machine gun. <laughs> Where the hell did he get the gun from? I like how then he just drives off. That's a tough car he has. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you ask, where does he get the machine gun? Well, you can ask that about a lot of things which it's are about to happen. Very true. Uh, so, uh, by the way, we go back to the police station once again, and Rosenbaum is still there, and he's getting more and more pissed mm-hmm. as he hears about the fact that Mike is just killing everybody. <laughs> but instead of like sending out more officers, <laughs> well, I guess he does a little bit. Yeah, he's uh, like, I'm going to send the most incompetent police officer we have. Well, the thing is, he gets a call saying, like, an officer is down. Right. And he's like, is it by the old storage shed? (laughs) 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 Which which is good to know, because we're about to see that shed. Right. Uh, And and so, yeah, he calls uh, Purnell, I guess is the officer's name, to go check out this location. So Purnell drives up in plain clothes. Uh, In fact, really, I shouldn't say plain clothes, because they're certainly not plain. He's on some serious fucking casual Friday right now. Yeah, Yeah. right. So he's dressed up in his Hawaiian shirt, (laughs) and he comes out and finds this cop who is laying dying on the ground right right All he's right. been stabbed apparently and which is uh, funny because because mike just had a gun but also it the, it appears that maybe mike wasn't the one who stabbed him at all oh maybe right because this is a weird scene because he the officer says that the the whoever it is that mike is in that shed uh and pernell being a really horrible cop uh, he shoots the shed a bunch of times. He just starts plugging away at it. Then he pours gasoline over it and sets it on fire. Right. And it doesn't just set on fire. It fucking explodes. And it's a really little shed. Yeah. I mean, he could have waited for backup or whatever. Um, or maybe he could have called the ambulance to help with the fucking cop who's dying yeah. in front of him. But, but I mean, we get the we get the point pretty quick that this guy is pretty fucking incompetent. I mean, the the he's supposed to be, I guess, as crazy as Mike is. Ah. He's just on the other side of the law, yeah, right? Well, yeah, well, he's a cop on the edge. Except so, that he's not. He's just a cop on the edge of sanity, maybe. Fucking, <laughs> so he like, I, and he revels in the show. Mo, 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 when people say a cop on the edge, they do mean on the edge yeah, of sanity. <laughs> I know, I know. 
But uh, so he yells. By the way, he yells um, as the as the uh, structure is burning down. Burn you son of a bitch! Burn! Admittedly, if I could legally set a big thing like that on fire, I probably would do it too. But I, I believe there's some legal sketchiness about what he did here. Meh. <laughs> Which is particularly the case once Rosenbaum arrives, uh, and he's pissed off immediately, as he probably should be. Right. He calls Purnell a shithead, uh, and then the fire trucks arrive, which is great because fire trucks are always cool. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they're they're digging through the rubble, and they find a charred skeleton. Yeah, and I love how they're like, th- like they take one quick measurement of like the dude's like teeth, and they're like, this can't, <laughs> this can't be Mike. This yeah, must, it's not Strawber. This, this is a man be, in his 50s. Yeah, this must be so-and-so, the town drunk. Yeah, it's Drake Tanner, the town drunk. Which, by the way, if you put uh, one and one together, means that Pur- Purnell murdered the town drunk. Right. And nothing happens about that. Yeah. Well, nothing happens <laughs> like, yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nothing happens yet. But yeah, so he totally murdered a guy. Right. And they're, the indication, like, I mean, I don't know if we're supposed to think... That Mike was there and stabbed that other cop or not, but at the very least, he got away. Exactly. <laughs> and I think the implication is, by the way, that the cop died because Rosenbaum says before he leaves that uh, Purnell has to stay until the the ambulance comes, or not the ambulance, or like whatever. Had the to morgue get the, wagon. The morgue wagon to pick up the cop. So it's just he's just been sitting there as the CSI guy is checking the corpse. It's very strange. It is really weird. But fuck all that. But we go back to Mike, who at, yes. who at this point is uh, up to more <laughs> not good. Hijinks. <laughs> He's hijinxing all over the place. Now, who does he... Now, he, he drives by this kid, and the kid flashes to somebody. Who does, that, who does he flash to? Like, him as a kid? I think it was him as a kid. That's so weird. Like, why would you murder yourself as a kid? <laughs> Did he flash into A.J. McLean from the Backstreet Boys? He must have been. He must have been <laughs> A.J. McLean from the Black, Backstreet Boys. So he sees this kid walking by a baseball field and this is by the way is the other thing that might remind you of the toxic avenger because he drives next to him and he holds a chainsaw out <laughs> and fucking just chainsaw drive by chainsawing it's so great i imagine the original concept for this involved a, a like a very graphic beheading but right. even in this form where you see kind of a close-up of this kid's bloody body twitching on the ground right, right. it's a Again, you, you even now you do not see a lot of movies which involve uh, babies and uh, young people getting like young people in like the ten to twelve year old range right. getting killed. So it's still a little bit disturbing. Yeah, but I, it's a chainsaw. So, but at yeah. least now, at least now I know what my next movie is going to be. What's yeah. that? Baby and ten to twelve year old kid murderer. You know, just just you nothing. Got to work but. on that title, I think. Bo. Well, you know. It's, <laughs> I'll come up with a good title. And then Mike drives by a uh, <laughs> a bench where three people are sitting on them, right. and he sees them as uh, doctors from the psychiatric hospital. So he pulls out that machine gun from earlier and mows them all down. Yeah, and we get and then we get a little advertisement for Capricorn Network Cable TV. That's right, <laughs> that they're sitting on. I mean, at this point, he, this is a killing spree. Yeah, at this point, he's on a spree, without a doubt. <laughs> Like he's literally killed like ten people in what period? I mean, I don't know how much time is supposed to have passed, but it's like a day, I think. Yeah, and there's no way it's more than a day. And they're not bringing in more cops. And this is Florida, by the way. It's right. not like they should have any. Uh, yeah, so he's 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 having a good day for what he does, which is killing people. Yeah, 
So Rosenbaum, who apparently is the only cop in this story, in this film who does any thinking at all, <laughs> makes the most obvious connection. I would say in the world. Right. Like, here's the thing. You have a guy who escaped from a mental hospital once and immediately went after his ex-wife or wife. Right. Uh, and then went back to the hospital, mutilated himself. Uh, then a few months later, he escaped once again and has started killing everybody in sight. And just at this point, Rosenbaum decides, wait a second. He's probably going to go see his wife. Oh. <laughs> Literally the first person that you should check on. Right. But uh, so Purnell shows up uh in a um is that what yeah this happens now where where rosenbaum is outside and he's figured out what's going on uh and he's going to actually guys call sharon and right. find out and tell her what's going on and he's outside and fucking pernell shows up in a taxi and runs <laughs> off to ask for money yeah, he's like i need 30 bucks for the cab and then rosenbaum's like what i you had a car there and he's like i lost i the lost keys. the keys I'm off the keys. <laughs> so, so Rosenbaum has a good line. <laughs> I wouldn't give you yesterday's weather report, you shithead, you. <laughs> I got a murderer to catch. <laughs> you shithead, you. <laughs> like every time, every time we have an audio clip, I I keep it going because there's inevitably going to be a uh, an orchestral sting or you know some. <laughs> weird musical cue happening so he's like he's like i wouldn't give you yesterday's weather report you shithead you and then, uh, and then he, goes, he goes i got a murderer to catch bing bong 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 bing, bing bong <laughs> <laughs> by the way sharon does not get the phone call because she's getting into the shower and right. soaping up her boobs. boobies boo boo boobs and she's soaping boobs. up all over so uh, just in case we, just in case we only got the violence part of the sex and violence that's required in a movie like this. Um, and Mike does indeed arrive at, at Sharon's house. That's exactly – Rosenbaum hit it on the nose. That's exactly where he was oh, heading. Oh, thank goodness. This sequence is so great. He just he starts gets, loading himself up with weapons. This woman is like fucking freaking out on him because he runs into a few trash cans. Yeah. So she's flipping out. And as he gets out, he is loading on nunchucks and a chainsaw I, and my, a machine gun. My, fa- my favorite moment is he sticks something in his pocket. I think he sticks a knife in his pocket. Then he puts on a, a, a pistol with um, like a little uh, holster and then right? takes out the nunchucks and then puts them over the the holster so like they're kind of <laughs> hanging from there and then like pulls out the chainsaw and, you know, or I think it's like two other things that he whips out right? before I- he whips out the chainsaw but the best part is is that like uh like he oh I remember he takes out a mace yes and he smashes the woman in the face with the mace yes you know, which is great because it's obvious that the mace was just made out of sponge and that they just soaked it with fake blood. So when they smacked her, like, it just kind of splattered everywhere and it was a perfect, really well done effect, even though the mace looked super fucking cheap. But anyway, yeah. anyway. But, but hell, when's the last time you saw someone in a modern right. movie get hit in the face with a fucking mace? Exactly. But I love the fact that the first thing he does is throws the mace away and then throws the nunchucks away too. Yeah, just what <laughs> he on. just loaded himself up with all this stuff and then immediately threw half of it away. I love it because it's a gag, right? Yeah, it's it's a, it's, yeah. At this point, it's totally a joke that he's it, loaded himself up with these ridiculous weapons and then just tosses them aside. It's literally a throwaway gag. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Wah, wah. <laughs> and then he takes the chainsaw and he cuts himself his way into the apartment. Yeah. So it's a very functional chainsaw. Thankfully. 
Uh, and then he goes in and he has a machete and he's he's he is living the life of a masked killer, mm-hmm. right? Machete, a woman in the shower. He's coming in. He knows exactly what he has to do. And he goes in. He approaches her. Lots of suspense. And suddenly the shower curtain opens and. And then some dude standing there and he shoots him. Yeah, it's some dude. Now the dude, we Mo and I talked about this before we started yeah. recording. I, we both believe that it's the hospital nurse, the orderly. I'm assuming Ur- it's the Dan Haggerty looking motherfucker. Yeah, because it does look like Dan Haggerty, and it's obviously not any of the cops. So it's really by process of elimination. It has to. Uh, be. It ha- it has to be. Uh, so the, I don't know why he was there. I don't know why he has access to a gun or. But so explain this to me though, Mo. He then like the Dan Haggerty guy shoots. Uh, Mike in the chest. Like three times, yeah. Like three times. Then he goes over to check on Sharon, who's in the closet. Yeah. But she's dead. But she's dead. Why is she dead? Because she got slashed in the neck. So we're... Ass- did, I'm assuming by Mike. But how did he do that? He walked right past her to get to where... Oh, that's a good point. That he, she shows him walking right... In, that's a really good point. I have no idea. And then someone... Well, someone. I mean, then this orderly guy, as he's checking on the corpse of Sharon, he gets shot in the head, in the yeah, forehead. Yeah, because he stupidly put his gun down on the toilet. Yeah, so Mike, who has gotten shot three times in the chest, gets up. I mean, that's believable in these kind of movies. Sure. But it's just such a weird sequence because Sharon is just dead, and there's really no explanation for why. Right, right. And maybe she fell on a knife or something. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, the dude, things work. the dude gets shot in the forehead. And Mike is stumbling out, and he looks really messed up. And then Rosenbaum comes out, comes in, sorry, into the house, and he sort of plays a really simplistic version of Truth or Dare to get Mike to put the gun down. Uh, you're right. He he does a, a very simplistic form of Truth or Dare to let him to get him to 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 hand over the gun. Pernell runs in halfway through and almost spoils the whole thing by by pulling his gun on Pernell. <laughs> but yeah, so Mike slowly puts down the gun. They call an ambulance, and they – I mean, that's, this is the end of the movie. They roll Mike away in the ambulance. He survives. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the police officers, Purnell and Rosenbaum, they have a sort of a wacky conversation. Right. Well, I guess another case we wrapped up, huh? We? You burnt up an innocent man in the shed. You almost got me shot inside. You lose the keys to the radio car. You're a walking catastrophe. Give me that goddamn gun. <laughs> Give me that goddamn gun. <laughs> gun. And then it just shows the, the Sunnyville Hospital again. Yeah. I love how every time they've showed it previously, they say like how much time has passed, but this time it just it's goes just dot, 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 dot. dot, dot. <laughs> I love, I love the fact that they keep bringing him back to the same fucking hospital that he keeps getting out of. <laughs> And then, of course, retreated to one of the greatest closing songs. Since. This closing song is so um, weird. <laughs> I, I have I have a lot of it. I think I have like a minute and a half of it. So. I mean, we, we should just play it maybe while we talk. But Wait, uh, they're not going to be able to hear us over it. All so. right. Okay. No, let's hear a little bit of it. No, let's listen to all of it. All right. Let's listen to every single <laughs> every bit of single it. fucking second of this. This is Kay Reed with the Church of Our Savior <laughs> Choir <laughs> with Critical Madness. Sharon's love. The little boy that needed understanding. Was I such a bad thing? The lyrics are so bonkers. Yeah, like 
it, it seems like the only reason this movie has taglined a critical madness is because of this song. Right. And like that phrase doesn't even make any sense. Critical no, it madness. I mean, cl- clinical madness makes sense. You know, critical. But I love how it's like this soulful R and B song about like this guy killing people and how disturbed was, he was as a child. It, it was a different era. <laughs> so insane yeah it's 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 really maybe the second most insane closing credits music we have heard on this show right we all know what number one is <laughs> which is a much better song yeah in that i don't think i'll ever want to listen to this one again <laughs> no <laughs> wow I believe I get some of there they are. If you look I mean little kids. It's 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 a it's a choir from a church. That's enough of that one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's like and like they hired him out to be in the closing credits of a fucking horror film you know a, like about a guy who like i mean he's killed kids who are the age of these kids that's singing. right and younger yeah yeah and babies you know yeah so it's Maybe a very one day he will murder me it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a very odd note to go out on but really, that's it really is I mean, this is a movie that has an odd tone throughout it anyway. Again, because of that first quarter of the film is, is sort of played very seriously. And it just gets more whacked out and crazy as it goes until that final 20 minutes, which is just a stream of crazy murders. Right. Which is why, by the way, this movie is so awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but that plays out a lot like, uh, like Las Vegas Bloodbath, which has like a middle sequence, which just has a lot of murders until it turns into slaughtering uh, oil wrestling women. Right, right. The gorgeous ladies of oil wrestling, I should say. <laughs> but uh, donut loving oil wrestling women. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, this movie uh, certainly lives up to its reputation. I, I, I will be honest. I was a little concerned during the first kind of half hour or so. It's I found it interesting, but I was like, oh, it it really does sort of. Uh, reveal its low budget, but as it goes along, that low budget becomes sort of a benefit as opposed right, to right. Exactly, exactly, and it ramps up really well too. Like, yeah, I mean, sure, that's the thing. Yeah, that's right. Because its its best bits are near the end, so right. it really does. It 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 feels like it's culminating in something uh, special. Right. I like it, Tim Ritter. Good job. Well done, Timmy. I was going to make a Timmy, like a South Park Timmy reference. How old does that make me look? Yeah. <laughs> Timmy. Oh, God. Let's not go there. Uh, I'm sure at some point in the future we will cover another one of Tim Ritter's films. Maybe Absolutely. even one of the three sequels to, uh, to, to Truth or Dare. Well, I, I'm certainly... Let's, I'm not, let's not, not say that too, too, too fast, you know. Well, <laughs> have you seen any of the sequels? No, I haven't seen any of them. I, ha- I, ha- I have them all, but I haven't actually watched any of them. What is wrong with you, sir? You know, I, I do that all the time. I'll end up going on these, like, spending sprees. Ha, see what I did there? And uh, nope. 
<laughs> you know, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll buy a bunch of movies and just like never watch them. And and unfortunately, the sequels for this one, uh, well, I guess, and technically the the original two, sort of fell victim to that. Where I I own them, I just don't watch them. I watch them when I when I find time for it. You know, when I'm dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got time when I'm. dead. Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly how it kind of sometimes feels. Right. <laughs> we have these huge piles of movies. Uh, Mo Sev. Yes. Uh, we have discussed what we're going to be covering we on did, the for next once. episode. For once, we we have got it down. But I bet if I say Mo, what are we watching next? I'm not sure that you're going to be able to tell me. Uh, we are watching <laughs> Tales of the Dead. Scary, hey. scary ass stories uh, to make your skin crawl and give you nightmares. All right. Yes, that is what we're watching. Uh, just to give uh, to, to pull back the curtain a little bit to give you an idea of why we chose this film. Uh, recently, Chemical Burn Films, who is a, who are a distributor of a lot of uh, ultra low budget and no budget cinema, who we are they, sort of fans of. We're sort of fans of, while still recognizing that most of what they release is horrible. Right, right. But they also <laughs> gave they also gave us the amazing order of one, you know, and yeah, so, I mean you exactly. got you know, yeah, you got to give them I mean, a little bit of credit at the very they least. They are the distributor when no other distributors will do. They also release a ton of like paranormal and UFO movies I like are, how you said when no other distributor will do. It's it's I think you could have left do off of there. <laughs> <laughs> what when, when no other distributor will. will. <laughs> But uh, Chemical uh, Burn has also been releasing some of their films, uh, the full films, uh, legally on YouTube. And we cool. thought it would be fun. We've covered one before. Uh, uh, in fact, I think we covered the Troma channel, which also releases some movies yeah. with Rock and Roll Space Patrol. Mm-hmm. But uh, we like to, every once in a while, cover a movie that everybody can watch uh, that, that is easily available, like Order of One was. Uh, so, yeah, we chose Tales of the Dead. And that, that tagline, by the way, that Mo read is what it says on their YouTube page, though it is not part of the actual title of the no, movie. Could I you say that, that again, by the way? Yes, I can. It's, uh, let's see here, scary-ass stories to make your skin crawl and give you nightmares. It makes it feel like... Uh, although, although if I'm being if I'm being serious, it actually says scary ass stories make your skin crawl. I'm assuming yeah. there's supposed to be a two in there. Yeah, the, the quality control with the Chemical Burn uh, YouTube page is not what it should be. See again, uh, again, you could have left off YouTube page and still been pretty <laughs> accurate. They have a movie on their their uh, on their YouTube page called Piranha Man versus Werewolf Man, which oh, I have a. Uh, yeah, I have. A, I actually own that movie, and I covered do. it on No Budget Nightmares uh, a long time ago. The version they have on their YouTube page, uh, it loses sound. I think twenty minutes in, so there's no sound for the rest of the movie. <laughs> and about three quarters of the way through, it gets stuck on a frame, and it just stays on that frame for the entire rest of the running time. And the movie's only sixty five minutes long. <laughs> so, and by the way, they put that up on February fourteenth, two thousand thirteen, and have never. <laughs> I uh, I posted on our No Budget Nightmares Facebook page that uh, a few weeks ago on the Chemical Burn YouTube, they accidentally uploaded some sort of video of someone like doing some sort of custom car audio, <laughs> like an instructional like video. It was a video of a guy kind of explaining, yeah, this doesn't fit into this. And they uploaded it to their YouTube site, and I think it's still there. <laughs> wow. So they they uh, they have some problems, uh, and uh, and even in the case of Tales of the Dead, like the description for it is just a bunch of keywords related to UFOs and the paranormal. I think that's all of them, though, because yeah, because we had looked at other films too. Like we looked at Muckman, and that one was just, I mean, and this that one was like 
a million times longer too. <laughs> so, so just to give people an idea, Tales from the Dead. This is the Tales from the Dead, uh, Tales of the Dead from 2010. Mm-hmm. It's an anthology film. I believe it's British. It's directed by uh, Camel uh, Yildirim, I think it's how it's pronounced. Sure. Uh, we know very little about it. Uh, I, I, I've only just sort of ran through it just to make sure that it was actually a movie. But it's been a while since we covered an anthology film. Uh, so I think it was, it's yeah. fun. And, and if we remember the last time we did, too, it was also a chemical burn film. Which, what was that then? That was, wasn't the last one we did Scarlet Fry? If it was, that's interesting because they've recently have uploaded Scarlet Fry's Junk Food Horror Fest, I think that's what it's called, yeah. uh, to their YouTube channel. So for those who love that classic No Budget Namers episode, you can now watch the film freely and legally on the Chemical Burn site. You but shouldn't. don't, you because it's fucking horrible. It really is terrible. It is. It's really bad. And also it has some really um, off-color unpleasant humor <laughs> you know you know i saw like you know i follow a bunch of these websites i think is it sub rosa it might be sub rosa sure absolutely that uh that put out uh the new uh scarlet fry film and they're they're, sure. ask, they're asking like 25 bucks for the vhs i'm like you've got to be kidding me uh i mean i i imagine putting out these vhs copies there's extra uh costs involved that said no, no sir <laughs> no yeah not happening Never, 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 never. Not in a million but, years. <laughs> but yeah, so we don't know much about this Tales of the Dead film. Uh, we're going back into the kind of classic style of No Budget Nightmares and... and <laughs> flying blind. Flying blind. So we might run into uh, another Order of One, or we might run into another Hip Hop Locos. Mm, let's hope we don't run into another fucking Hip Hop Locos. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, we do our plugs, I do want to because I don't think I did on the last episode. I want to thank everyone who uh, donated uh, yeah. on our recent kind of drive. We had a lot of really great people to con- who contributed, helped pay our hosting costs. Again, we really really appreciate it. We gave we we told we kind of spoke everyone's name uh, previously on on other episodes, but uh, I just wanted to give everyone a shout out for that because it helps keep the the site going. Amen. And the podcast going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it means that we can just stay here and talk for as long as we want because we, we got the bandwidth, we got the hosting. Word. Word. <laughs> Mo, where can people find more information about No Budget Nightmares? Where they could find Mo information about? No, I'm sorry. Nope. Mm-mm, no. <laughs> no, there's definitely an R in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if they want to take the easy route, you know, like most kids do these days. They... Losers. Mm. Oh, what? Sorry. <laughs> probably they... I shouldn't call our few listeners yeah, losers. Probably not. But um, you can go right onto Facebook.com, you know, where the cool kids go. And just do a search for No Budget Nightmares. You'll find us. We're in there. It'll be the first couple of things that pop up. The first one will be the group, more than likely, and the second one will be our fan page. And you can feel free to like us and join in the conversation and do all that yeah. other fun stuff. There's lots of fun stuff. A lot of the filmmakers, a surprising number of filmmakers that we've covered on the show, right. they pop up there. Uh, and you can also uh, find uh, anything kind of connected to it, including our appearances on other podcasts. They usually pop up there as well. Yeah. Because I know we both appear. I've appeared, of course, on Drunk on VHS, which is your other podcast. You yep. and we, and we both appeared on certainly the After Movie Diner podcast. I was recently on an episode covering Eliminators and The Vindicator <laughs> uh, with an interview with uh, with uh, Full Moon Entertainment's Charles Band. How cool is that? 
that's super cool and it meant that it took fucking forever for that episode to get released yeah <laughs> because john had to, had to get that interview happening right but hey it was worth it uh i mean I, I i'm proud to be part of it uh you can find us in other places as well you can find you on twitter i'm gonna do this now okay you're on twitter at at drunk on vhs it's true and and i'm there as doug underscore tilly that's t-i-l-l-e-y you can find my writing over at dailygrindhouse.com. And you can find, uh, if you want to find uh, lots of other information about the podcast in all previous episodes, and including links to where you can uh, go on iTunes and Stitcher, you can go to nobudgetpodcast.com. Yeah, and if you want to catch all the previous episodes of Drunk on VHS, you can go right to drunkonvhs.com. Uh, although now my show is actually live. so Live on yeah. Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights, uh, 9 p.m. over on the From Dusk Till Con network, and that is fromdusktillcon.com. <laughs> That's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> they should have just called it FDTC.com, but whatever. If you've listened to this point, you must be a big fan of No Budget Nightmares. And if that is the case, you can also leave us a review over on iTunes. Every little bit helps. You're if right. you cannot afford to give us all of your life savings, uh, you can really contribute to the show by leaving a review, a positive review. But hey, let your freak flag fly. Say what you got to say. We will take it to heart. I will cry in the bathroom. <laughs> we are the Lunatic Fringe. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so, next episode, Tales of the Dead. Mo, have you seen any other movies lately? Uh, yeah, I have, actually. I, I watched uh, a ton of fucking movies. <laughs> you seem very surprised for a guy who like talks about movies constantly. Constantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I did actually watch the movies. Uh, I watched this... Uh, well, I mean, I watched a movie that you recommended and fucking hated it. Uh, what was that? Well, you posted a picture of it. I don't. I wouldn't say you recommended it, but that was that's that's uh, a recommendation. Yeah. I wouldn't have posted a picture. Uh, <laughs> that movie, Ultra Warrior, which was pretty fucking terrible. And in fact, my what? my note on Miso straight up says, "Fuck you, Doug Tilly." Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I posted the cover because it's got a great cover. Yeah, it has an amazing cover, and the main character is like the actor's name Dak. is Dak Rambo, and I'm like, that's amazing. Oh yeah, um, I only posted that because of the cover. I I I had heard only bad things about it. Exactly. The movie. It was fucking terrible. It was so bad. I I, wa- <laughs> I watched it on fucking double speed and it was still too fucking slow. Um but I but what but what a poster. But I followed that up. I followed that up with uh with another post-apocalyptic film that I had never actually seen before. Um but apparently uh uh, have been wanting to see it since the late 90s when I bought my psychotronic uh, video guide. Um, the This movie, The Blood of Heroes with uh, oh, Rud- sure. Rudger Hauer. Yeah, and I'd never seen yeah, it yeah. before. And it was so fucking good. I'm like, man, am I glad I watched this one second. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was so good. And actually, I did, uh, I did a... Uh, the following day, I did another one where I rewatched 1990 The Bronx Warrior just to remind myself how fucking awesome that movie is. How, that post-apocalyptic movies can be good. Yeah, they can actually be good. And um, and I watched uh, Naked Lunch for the second time. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I mean, I had I had a pretty good week for movies. It was uh, very enjoyable. I, uh, I was contacted uh, a couple weeks ago by a director named Kurt Larson who had heard our uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. I'm so sorry. and uh he was uh, contacting me because he has a movie called son of ghost man which he just finished uh i think late last year he's touring around now and i just watched that recently and it's sort of a it's a really weird combination it's a tribute to horror hosts Mm -hmm. like uh gularty and and zachary and stuff like that combined with a tribute to uh john hughes movies of the 80s wow that sounds kind of awesome and it is awesome. It's really, really, really good. Oh, and Kurt Larson, 
the guy who directed it, he plays the asshole character in the movie, <laughs> and he's great. He's like, I mean, it's totally a tribute to those '80s assholes, sure, sure. and and he does a great, really great job on it. I mean, it's 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 super low budget, uh, but. It's it's aiming for this very specific mix, and it hits it every time. It's got this great electro pop soundtrack too. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's really something else. I was really happy, and I've actually got a, an interview with uh, Kurt coming up on uh, Daily Grindhouse. Will probably be up by the time this episode comes Sweet. up. Sweet. But I think that's it, Mo. It's I th- I feel like this has been a very compact episode. It has been. It's I, I think I feel like we've both been like you know let's just get this shit over with. Well, I was thinking, I was going to say, it feels like we're both on the ball, but I guess your way is also one way. No, no, you're right. No, you're right. We, yeah, it's it's been... Uh, it's uh, been? All, all, don't start. Uh, uh-huh. It's all killer, no filler. <laughs> except, except for right now, of course. Right, well, I mean, it's the end of the show. We're it's the end of the show. Just vamping. Uh, well, I guess we should let people know that, hopefully, what will be following this will be the latest uh, song by Rue. Right. Right. We barely ever give him the plug he deserves because we're usually like when we're recording, he's also in the process of recording his song. So we don't usually get to hear it until after we finish recording. But uh, but I can assure you that it's going to be awesome. But it's yeah, it's one of those things that I've never actually sat down and, you know, and worried that it wasn't going to be good because every time you know, I get that email with the, oh, the new song and I, I listen to it immediately every time and every single time I'm like, that's awesome. And he's always like, ah, oh, this one's not so great. I'm yeah, like, yeah. He always downplays it every single time. He's like, this one's not. There's so much, there's so comparatively little talent on the show when you put that right. on the end of it. <laughs> right. Uh, except for you, Mo. You Please. are the talented man. Oh, oh God. I, I played music. I played my drums for the first time in like months, like just the other night and like just immediately reminded me that I need to practice more because <laughs> I was just like, uh, I mean, I could keep time, but I'm like, like I forgot how to do like fills and stuff. And I'm like, this is not good. So gotta- <laughs> not so much for that talent thing, but yeah. <laughs> but it's coming together. It, it'll come. It'll it, in a few months. You'll be the drum master. Oh. Drum master Mo is what they'll call you. They won't. But okay. Yeah, they might though. Anyway, so everyone, stay tuned for the latest song from Rue, and uh, we'll be back in your eardrums in just a couple of weeks. Oh yeah. Tales of the Dead from 2010. Heaven help us. Mm. Love you. <laughs> dare you to come with me and camp out beneath the trees. I'll tell you about my youth and dare you to speak the truth. Tell me, dear, what is your name? Tell me, dear, do you
you swear it to God above? I want nothing more than to believe that what you tell me will not tear my fragile heart in two. Tell me, will you accept this? Accept this? Will you accept this? Dare, 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 dare. I'm coming to find you, dear. It's been too long, I fear that you've settled with someone new. Beneath this mask, I'm torn in two. I'd do anything to prove it's true. I'd tear out my tongue for you. I'd slice off all my hair. I'd do anything for you if you just dare. <laughs>